Blog Talk Radio. HR uh, Cord TV episode seven. I am uh, Robin Schooling with my co-host Mike Vandervoort. Hey, Michael. Hey, Robin. Who who would have thought that we'd be on seven? <laughs> I know. I like, we'll do this for a couple weeks and everything will be cool, and not so much. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, you know, and it's. Um, it was so weird, and, and now it's becoming almost the norm to, like, do this right. evening quarantini episode. <sighs> but the thing yeah. is, I it, even though we, like, title them that, um, I other than the first week, I think, that was the only time I, like, had a cocktail with it. I'm, yeah, like, just not, uh, not cocktailing while we're doing these episodes, which is just so bizarre and so, like... Not the norm, but it's out of, yeah, right. It's out of character for you, Robin. But you know, that, part of that is that I think part of that is it's just like you can only drink alone or even on a on a podcast for by yourself for so long. You know, and yeah. Just uh, anyway, that's not why we're <laughs> <Yeah>. here. <laughs> or maybe it, it is, is not why we're here. <laughs> Before they take it away from you, or something. Yeah. yeah. My house. There's nobody at my house to do that, but if they come around, I guess I'd probably comply. So, so our <laughs> guests are Frank and Tammy. <laughs> hey, everybody. Hey, hey. Hello. So here's my here's my uh, here's my uh, quarantini related um, Frank and Tammy story because um, I was thinking about this today <clears throat> because this seems like this was like. A decade ago, um, but the last conference event, the last uh, conference I went to, the last event I went to, the last trip I took out of town um, was the Smart Recruiters event in February in San Francisco. Frank and Tammy were there. My last meal with friends from out of town was with Frank and Tammy the night before we left. Uh, my last people I saw before I had headed out of San Francisco was Frank and Tammy. Um, so I hang on to that as as my memory of the last trip I took. No kidding. Yep. Oh, I'm right there with you. I think that was that was our last bit too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the last bit of travel. We were scheduled to have a family visit up in Pennsylvania in March, and we had to cancel that. And obviously, mm. haven't traveled any since then. So, oh boy, I don't want yeah, this to become our normal. To your earlier <laughs> point, Robin, I, I don't yeah. want this to feel like normal. Okay, so yeah. let's make sure we keep it abnormal, unusual, and We'll just work from that premise. I like that premise. Yeah, that's just, you know, that's that's the weird thing though is like there's no um, there's no end in sight, right? So I mean, things are opening up a little bit, but we just—it's so weird to have something that just hangs over your head and you never know when it's going to be the end of it. So, well. It, I think we have a pretty good idea as to the reasons for that, too. I I can't recall, at least in my lifetime, any sort of public health emergency that transpired like this, that is, you know, without, at least as we sit here today, without end, without resolution, without 
viable treatment without vaccines. So, um, yeah, I, I think we lost a little bit of time early on, eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard some story today on NPR that said if we they had model, you know, and models are great, I guess, but it's just modeling. But if we had a if we'd have responded a week earlier, it would have saved fifty five percent. And if we'd have been two weeks earlier, it could have been eighty five percent of the you know, of the deaths that we've seen. And I don't I don't know who knows or what's right or what's wrong, but it's just uh Right. Yeah, it, it's uh it's really as we continue to say unprecedented. Um and it's creating a lot of different kinds of uh a lot of different kinds of responses. I think that's some of what we're going to try to talk about tonight is companies are doing good things and bad things. And just, uh, I think we're going to kick around and chop up a few examples about how that went, or maybe they could have done something different. And, uh, but, but before we do that, why don't you guys, most people know you, but why don't you guys uh, give a quick individual bio for each of you so that anyone who's going to listen in the future will know who you are and who we're talking to. Sure. Um, I'm Tammy Colson. I am a veteran of the United States Marine Corps, and from that point and before that point was in recruiting and HR. I've done corporate. I've done third-party recruiting. I've done corporate HR leadership. And now I'm desperately trying to keep a bed and breakfast afloat. <laughs> and my yeah, lovely you guys started husband, that at the right time, didn't you? <laughs> didn't we, though? <laughs> and my lovely husband is Frank Zupan, and he can introduce himself from there. Frank Zupan here. I'm crazy enough to have married a Marine. So, <laughs> so there. Um, now, I'm a director for talent management, work in the corporate world full time, uh, and have enjoyed uh, contribution to not only this company but the prior companies. I feel like that's where my contribution is in the whole kind of corporate ecosystem is to be a part of an HR function, HR team, uh, kind of doing things in the corporate world. I know some mm-hmm. people really do great at the consulting stuff, my wife included. Some people really do well kind of out you know, as as part of the, shall I say, secondary HR system, which is HR tech or parts of that ecosystem. But I've always been quite at home in contributing in the corporate world. So um, that's what I do. And I'm opinionated, or so I've been told. <laughs> no. <laughs> who, who, who told you that, and did you agree with her opinion? Um, <laughs> I have actually had several bosses tell me that, both during and not during performance reviews. Um, so. <laughs> okay, then. <laughs> so let's dive, let's dive into an opinion, shall we? And, and let me toss mm. a topic out there um, of something that we all read um, really today. Um about um, Uber, um, you know, one of many companies obviously impacted and had to go kind of the mass layoff route. And um, I think we all read the story of Uber laying off um, 3,000-ish people via Zoom call. So I didn't read the article, Robin. Was this one Zoom call with 3,500 people on it? Because the tiles of their faces would be like microscopic. They would be like one tiny little, you know, TV thing, whatever that little square (laughs) on the TV is called that makes up the pictures. (laughs) Well, that's why we have 90-inch TVs, I guess. (laughs) So exactly. what they so what they did was um they had yeah it was one giant you know dial in zoom thing you know they weren't all on okay. obviously everybody all 3500 of them were muted um and the head of their customer service office um made the announcement um okay 
And basically, um, you know, trip volume is down. Let me read her quote. With trip volume down, the difficult, unfortunate reality is there are not enough work for many frontline customer support employees. As a result, we are eliminating 3,500 frontline customer support roles. Your role is impacted, and today will be your last day working with Uber. Okay. No one wants to be on a call like this. We had to do this. With everyone remote and a change of this magnitude, we had to do this in a way that allowed us to tell you as quickly as possible so that you did not hear it from the rumor mill. So on the plus side, they had to let 3,500 people know immediately, and they wanted to tell people face-to-face, as you know, in in the new reality, face-to-face, as opposed to starting to make I mean (laughs) – emails or phone calls and by the time you know people's coworkers would start telling them before they heard it officially so i think they were i'm sure we need to eliminate that we want everybody to hear it yeah look i i think from my perspective you can armchair quarterback the method of communication i mean to scale the business necessity of notifying 3,500 people quickly. And Uh even if part of your objective, which isn't a bad objective to notify people all at once so that one person doesn't find out before their colleague, because I think we've all been in situations like that, that tends to, you know, go bad quickly so from a method of communication, I, I find it hard to argue with that. But what I'm more interested in is what are they providing to those employees for transition assistance? How are they going to help those people adjust to not coming to work, not doing things, whether it's financially or otherwise? Because mm-hmm. that's where I think we're seeing and reading about some companies really stepping up, and it yeah, isn't always Airbnb. financially. By the way, I was about yeah, to say, yeah, it is. Yeah, and so that was a little bit more interesting to me. Is what are they doing with and for those employees from a transition assistance standpoint? Tammy, what do you think on that? Well, you know, it was interesting because that same article did articulate what Airbnb had done. And they were in a similar situation where they laid off, you know, a couple thousand people, not quite as many, but a couple of thousand. But it was a one-way, like, you call in and get the information. This is what's happening. Here's where we're going to cover you. We've done X number of billions of dollars of financing in order to be able to do this. And they're literally, you know, it's it's a true severance pay covering your medical layoff Um, where what I saw with Uber is more of a, yeah, sorry. hope you can apply for unemployment. And it was the way the message was delivered. I think that makes the difference. Whether or not you can provide severance or, or benefits, it's the way the message was delivered, I think, that makes the difference. Yeah, see, I'm and on the other side of that. I think the the actual content or the assistance that they're going to provide is what makes the difference to the employees. I, I don't care myself, personally, the way I look at that, I don't care if I get a letter in the mail, a call from the boss, or, frankly, an email. If it's put into scale and and I tell myself, well, they had to do 3500 of these, how would I do it? How would I? Yeah, yeah, I would definitely do it via Zoom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, how else do you do that? But I think that was the the message that Airbnb delivered, and I I am no fan of Airbnb right now. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Damn them. (laughs) From a personal standpoint. But from an HR perspective, I think that the it came from the top. It wasn't yeah. the VP of customer service. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah that's meaningful. It came from leadership. Yep. And it was re- expressing remorse. Where I what I got from the Uber, 
you know, for just from the quotes, is there wasn't much room, you know, sorry about your bad luck, this is a business. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, the, from everything uh, I gather, on... that's kind of how that's how, kind of how they manage relationships with their drivers, right? Which is their product. True, isn't it? I mean, I've I've not heard a ton of great things about how they build relationships with drivers, who really are the you know the gasoline in their engine, so to speak. Yeah, mm. yeah. And I've now, had, there from is a, a um... service perspective, I've had a great experience with Uber, so. There is a um a I'm gonna call it a, a Google Doc, but it's not a Google Doc. Um but just like calling Kleenex Kleenex. Um but there's a website <laughs> that um Uber has put together. I don't know if you guys saw it. Um so Uber put it together. It's Uber dot com, you know, on their website, um listing all the people that they have laid off who are now available. You, you know, and the people said Yes, you can put my you can put me out there. Um so it lists um these thousands of people um with right. kind of their resumes, what they've done, what they're looking for, where they live, are they open to relocation, open to remote, whatever. Um and it's kind of a nice page. Um and they're ta- they're ta- I'm looking at it right now. Their talent helps move the world. We wouldn't be where we are without them. Learn how they can help you grow your team. They'll so, be contact tracers and, next week. Yeah, probably. Probably. I mean, you know, so there's there are little little things being done. Um, you know. Yeah. To, they they did some other stuff as well. There's a business insider article that said because they did two layoffs. They did one about two weeks ago or two and a half weeks ago, which was largely hourly employees. And they gave uh-huh. them, initially, they told them they were going to give them four weeks severance pay plus two weeks for every year of tenure, which, I mean, Uber's been around for four or five years, but I, and it's hard to gauge that. And then two weeks later, the last one we're talking about now, they laid off mostly white-collar workers, and they were told they would get a base of 10 weeks plus pay for every year. So the formulas were different, but then they also said, oops, we're going to go back and give the same severance to the first group as the second group, so everybody will get at least 10 weeks severance. But according sure. to this article, the hourly employees still didn't know they were getting that extra money. So I guess, you know, good for Uber, kind of like trying to clean that up and give more. Sure. But sure. But, but also kind of like reflects, you know, how chaotic things are in the, in the course of trying to ditch, you know, three to 4,000 people in, a couple of weeks. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they, they yeah, didn't maybe get it. That's not right. easy. I, but it, I, I, but I'll be honest. I also find it interesting that they didn't furlough these people. They have laid them off. They've terminated their employment. Yeah. 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 That tells you because know, the messages have both said back. they don't see it coming back, which yeah. Yeah. is, I don't know, that it concerns me on several levels. Sure, and it should. <laughs> that, yeah, there's a big chunk of that economy that, it, and it, you can go across different sectors of the economy, whether it's that, you know, that gig economy piece where people were providing services like that out in what is ostensibly the retail economy, driver services, or like we do with our our thing, you know, hospitality services. Uh, the mm-hmm. restaurant services that are just devastated. Those are the the making up the majority of the the millions, tens of millions of people that are now on unemployment. Mm-hmm. I believe it's Those north of thirty million now. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it went yep. over thirty million either last week or this week. So, and I do, it just my own sense is. Many, many, many of those jobs are not going to come back. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in on Andrew Yang's messaging on this one. Those jobs aren't coming back, folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to create a whole hell of a lot more friction in the employment market as a whole. Uh, you know, certainly Q3 and Q4 of this year, but I would suspect well beyond that. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I tend to agree. <laughs> and and where do we put those people? I mean, literally, where where you know, or do we have thirty million unemployed for the next five years? You know, well, how do we, you know, how does the growth come back? If we had, um, we won't turn this too political, but, but you know, if we had different um, leadership at the national level. You know, and, and, you know, obviously this is not a unique idea that, you know, unique to me, but think of the of the WPA type style stuff that was yeah. done during the Depression. Why in the world, if, if we've got this massive group of unemployed people, um, why couldn't we do some WPA type projects and, and shore up the country and the so infrastructure? Much. Exactly. Arts. Maybe I mean, we can get some you know, cool new art. <laughs> exactly. I mean, all of that. You the know, art replicate. world of the WPA is still around and in museums. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, you know, that's, it's, it's, you know, that's it's a, a, it's a concept that could be replicated. We've done it before. We I don't have, think anybody, from a historical perspective, that, that's one kind of pressure release valve. But I had referenced the other one that's you know, been talked about a lot more recently is UBI, a universal yeah. basic income. Um, because yep. uh, if we think about those tens of millions of people that are unemployed, what percentage of them have the capabilities to go out and support and what we think of as an infrastructure project? Yeah, true. In, in today's day and age, what what dam are they going to build? I think we need a couple new ones up in Michigan, from what I hear. I think that, <laughs> you know. So, what we classically think of as infrastructure is a heavy, you know, type of industry that, frankly, has been losing its labor pool over a period true. of time. So but at the same I time, think, there are again, so many white collar jobs that are that are involved in projects like that, especially in 2020. True. Yeah, that's true. And they do create then ancillary jobs as well. They do create service jobs around them. They do sprout up restaurants around those projects. They do sprout up a you know a secondary economy around them. So there's certainly merit to the government trying to spend or merit to at least exploring the government trying to spend our money that way because it is our money. It's not the government's money. It's our money. And so thinking about they better do something better than what they're doing now because they ain't doing that much right now. A $1,200 check that the Secretary of the Treasury thinks will last most Americans a couple months. Holy hell. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that shows how far, in touch, how far out of touch they are on that, right? Precisely. Yeah. Well, I'm still waiting on mine, so, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't yeah. I'm going to go grocery shopping with the my ID, so. <laughs> For a few, yeah, for a few months, Robin, we're gonna, yeah, we're gonna use that mortgage for mortgage for a few months. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah. Groceries and a road trip over to Pennsylvania with gas. Yeah, it'll be great. <laughs> uh, oh boy. So there right, was a similar. Yeah. So there was a well, well just to finish up with this one, and it, you guys, I, I think I mentioned it on Twitter. About a week ago, there was a casino in Vegas um, that's called the Rampart Casino, which is and and the the only reason I noticed it um, as a as a topic was because that's actually where we've had a couple of conferences for Q, including one last year, and it's so Rampart Casino is embedded in a in a Marriott hotel in the suburbs of okay. Las Vegas, so it's not on the Strip; it's out in Summerlin. Really nice resort. Uh-huh. Very, I mean. Very obviously, from the hotel perspective, from the Marriott side, very attentive to the needs of their people. And then uh, I guess one day last week, the Rampart Casino general manager 
used a voicemail, a group voicemail, to notify people that they were being laid off effective that day. And they had, up to that point, they had carried their salaries for a couple of months. So instead of doing it on Zoom, this woman did it on voicemail. And it just seemed very callous and kind of shocking that they would do that. But once again, they had people scattered to the, you know, scattered to the wind. And I guess they wanted to get the word out as effectively as possible. So, I mean, comparing that to Zoom with 3,500, Uber with Zoom and 3,500 people live versus a voicemail, I think there's a degree less of caring there. But, you know, and I, and I don't know the numbers of employees that they were laying off, but it had to be in the hundreds, I would suspect, because it was a 24-7, 365 casino. So is that bad or is it? Is it, you know, is it just a necessity to do the most efficient way? It just well, seems off. Here's, seems and I, I know you're going to hate this question, but it would seem to me that those folks were union. They so were, there had to be a better way. Yeah, they were not unionized, uh, the hotel nor the casino, either one. Wow. Okay. That's uh, honestly surprising yeah. in Vegas. Yep. Yeah. But that's the case. But, yeah, voicemail. I think I'd be. I think I'd be annoyed. I mean, I just would. You didn't care I enough about me. I never even listened to my voicemail, so I would never know. No kidding. <laughs> yeah, people wouldn't know if they were you, huh, Robin? You wouldn't know till so, the paycheck quit showing up, right, Robin? That's right. <clears throat> so is it is it well, is the difference in Zoom face to face, even albeit technologically accomplished, versus just pick up the phone and hear some bad news? Is that the difference? I think so. Yeah, yeah, I I would say. What do you think, Frank? I don't I don't think a company's proficiency with technology or the use of technology is an indicator of whether they quote unquote care or not. Again, you know, we have to companies are set up to make money. They just are. And and in most if not all instances, they need people to do that. And and we sometimes apply our own subjective, you know, kind of interpretation of caring about those people to what it what seems to me like to be little minutiae situations. Again, what did they do for them? They 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 carried them on payroll. Did I understand that correctly for a couple months? That's, that's, they were, that's were my they, understanding from March till now. So they were probably covering benefits too, to the extent that they were. And from a yeah. lot of the folks I've talked to over the last couple months, um, and and their you know personal experience included, a lot of companies are looking at that as, hey, what what can we do to try to make sure that there's a safety net? Is particularly there's there's little if any safety net on the healthcare side that a lot right. of these employees would have. Um, so, I, I mean, there's some, but there's, you know, certainly less than for, for almost all instances, it would be a, you know, big change from any company healthcare plans or yep. what we know as a company or corporate healthcare plan. So I just, it does, the method of notification seems to not be the the core topic for me. I'm I'm just more interested in what's the company trying to do to at least help support some sort of transition or some sort of financial whatever they can. Well, again, and companies are there to make money. So as part of that, I think it also becomes, um, you know. Here's that announcement that goes out to 3,500 people or 300 people. Yeah. Those 300 people or 3,000 people hear that and immediately have questions. So does that company, whether that was Uber, whether that was the casino, whether that's Bob's, you know, real estate agency that sends an email, do they have do they have the internal resources? And people to be answering the phone and answering the questions that, and the concerns of those people because those that's those, a great point. 
those hundreds of people you've been that person. immediately you've been got that on the phone and called the phone. Yes. Mm-hmm. Called HR, called it, it, Sally it, Sue. It, yeah. Know. If I'm not mistaken, all four of us on this call right now at some point have been that person that had yep. to talk employees through that yep. financial or health care transition, whether it was a reduction in force by just the natural course of business, whether it was, uh, yep. you know, the economic downturn 10 years ago, whether it was this time. I think all of us have some direct experience in doing that. And I've just always found the content and what the company's able to do to step up to be the, that's kind of the indicator for me. That's just yeah. me and the way I look at it, I guess. And I, I agree think that, that, that that's a, the, the, a good way to look at it. I think the flip side of that is when you get a message of, especially a, an impersonal message of, yeah. you know, we're laying you off, then A, yeah. you're not very likely to come back to work there ever. You're B, not very likely to say, yeah, that's a great place to work. And sure. C, you've got millions of questions and a disembodied voice to answer yeah. them. Yeah. But every single yeah, and every single employee has very specific questions about their particular situation. So, so sure. Joe is going to call HR because he wants to know. Wait, when is my last paycheck? Can I cancel my four hundred one k before that last paycheck comes out? So I've got more money in my pocket. Wait, tell me, talk right, me through right. the health insurance stuff. When am I going to get the COBRA information? How is that going to work? Yep. What about my vacation? Is that going to be paid out? Is that going to be on this check? You know. The, the, each conversation with each employee could be 30 minutes. Yeah. And and so it's time, but it's also, you know, my hope is that, A, they planned for that. They had the right HR staff members or payroll staff members or whomever answering those questions and providing that support and that compassion that was lacking in the in the mass message. Those people on the ground answering yeah. those questions were, were hopefully the ones putting that human touch uh, into this very difficult situation. And can we just take a side trip for a moment and talk about Cobra and what an absolute rip-off <laughs> scam that is yes. upon the American people? That's yes. the most absurd garbage law. I can't. I, I struggle to think of a worse employment program yeah. or law ever foisted upon us. I, yeah. I think the insurance companies are still laughing about it. And and Frick. and we have to. And we and we tend to collective. We tend to talk it up like it's the greatest thing ever. Oh well, you'll get Cobra. Ooh. Yeah, you you'll know. get it. It's magic. It's, yeah. And then you yeah. get a bill and you go, Jesus Christ, I can't afford 2500 bucks a month. Yep. Oh, <laughs> hey, health off. insurance or my mortgage? Where am I going to get that money? I just lost my income. What do they, do they think this is a magic show? Jeez. <laughs> That's all true. And yet I had 18 months of Cobra, and it was better than the alternatives. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's it's relative, although it definitely helps if you have a good income to be able to pay for COVID. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think that says more about the lack of alternatives than it does about the the actual value and benefit of the law, COBRA, and what it allows insurance companies to do to individuals. Yeah, sure. Because the alternative is something on the market that's, you know, might be a $300 a month bill, you know, which is cheaper than Cobra. But, oh, hey, you've got a $10,000 deductible. Yeah. So why are you paying for insurance again? Yeah. Boy, oh, boy. All right. So, we nailed that one, kids. What's that? Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> An ACA is not much better, but again, it's better than nothing if you can afford it. Um, 
Truly. Last week, last week on the show, Frank, you had posed a question, which we actually didn't see till the end of the show, um, right. and that had to do with Tesla. Um, yeah. And Tesla basically, if I remember right, it, I think the question was, what about Tesla forcing people back to work? Is that, do you remember if that's kind of what you raised? Well, yeah, there was an article about it, and it wasn't really forcing them back to work. It was a little more like extortion of threatening them with their loss of unemployment benefits if they chose not to return to work. So at, at their, I think one of their core factories out in California, um, yeah. they – you know, began to recall employees against the the county and the state government's wishes, by the way, where they had still not met some of the requirements for an employer's, you know, inspecting the workplaces to make sure that people were going to be kept safe based on some the new CDC standards and things like that. They just, you know, hey, come back to work. And by the way, if you choose not to, you uh, may not, may no longer be eligible for unemployment benefits. And and that I, um, was straight out of the messaging from Tesla's HR, uh, and and that was in a, you know, a memorandum or a, a letter that employees were provided. And I I found that distasteful, but it also goes with my entire impression of their you know, namesake. I'd like to put Elon Musk on one of his rockets and shoot him into the sun <laughs> and and then just, you know, go from there and say, can somebody else make this product? Is this product viable? Do we not have to deal with that to get this? So. I, um, I read a, a, a today um an article that has um, a memo that was released yesterday, made the memos dated May 20th from their okay. head of HR. Um, so May 20th memo, HR update to their uh-huh. Fremont, which is their California factory and yeah, the, yeah. One, the factory the that they have in Nevada. And a um, couple of points on it, you know, oh, we can open as long as we follow uh, you know, Bay Area allows normal operations to resume, you know, as long as we follow safety protocols, blah, 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 blah. A um, couple of points. Um, number one, we will be reinstating our attendance policy this Friday, May 22nd, with a new yeah. provision. Um, if the employee does not want to come to work out of concern that they might expose an at-risk member of their household, HR will provide the employee with a document the employee can sign and submit to confirm their situation and receive unpaid leave until May 31st. So, so 11 days, uh, it, right? Yeah. So if you're sick yourself, you're not sub- then they have another part. If you're sick yourself or a doctor has said you should stay out, whatever, um, you're not subject to the attendance policy, stay home. But if you're one of the people that you know, oh, I have a, a, a high-risk family member and I'm afraid to come yeah. back to work, um, they're, well, okay, we'll give you a little um, leeway with that for the next 10 days. It's unpaid, unpaid leeway. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm not sure, you know, what that does for anybody other than force individuals into a choice of do right. I want to risk the health of my family or the right. 18 or 20 or 22 bucks an hour or whatever I get to build these cars. Right. For Elon Musk. Right. Who I think we are already clear about what my opinion of that is. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, the state of Ohio started a website for employers to input the data of employees who who declined return to work. Mm-hmm. In other words, it was for HR to put the names in to the to the yeah. unemployment website so they could not get unemployment any longer. Mm-hmm. And a hacker, we it was weird. A hacker <laughs> downloaded 
hundreds of thousands of maybe millions of false profiles into mm. this database. Yeah, basically. A so apparently Batman can't attack. get unemployment <laughs> in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that up. apropos of nothing, that sort of, you know, I understand you want, I, I get it. I'm as cynical as the next person, you know, 95% of our people are going to fake that they have a family member, except that we know they have family members. Yeah. All these companies are families, right? We know everything about everybody. And yep. they do, and they have themselves, and they are not supposed to have to disclose, hey, I have COPD, if it doesn't affect their employment. Mm-hmm. Except being exposed to coronavirus affects their COPD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I think the companies are really going to have to rethink the way they are responding because they're going to run afoul of ADA. They're going to be requested. You know, people are going to request uh, accommodations. Mm-hmm. And the the longer this goes, the more that's going to happen. And I really think, going to the last topic, future of work, um, I think we're really going to have to rethink the way we approach employees for, in in this, you know, coronavirus era. Because it's pretty clear the future of work that the changed. commerce and the and the business associations writ large are looking for a complete release of liability. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, that, yeah. that will solve all of this for them because yeah. they won't have to face any lawsuits from Bob the employee who happened to come to work every day and have to work shoulder to shoulder with everybody else. And he took Corona home to, you know, to immunocompromised kids or, or wife or whatever, they and the the Senate leadership has said we have to include release of corporate liability in any further relief efforts. So they're going to mm-hmm. hold up our money again, our mm-hmm. money, taxpayer money. They're going to hold that up for release of liability, and I think that's why there's. I think that's why, frankly, a lot of companies um, are delaying return to work, uh, you know, timing. Just here in the Cleveland area, a lot of the major employers have now pushed their return to work dates with their workforces, white collar workforces, into uh, September and October. They tell really? the employees, "Hey, we're, we're yeah, we're going to be work from home for you know through the summer." Now there's you know there's school and daycare implement implications right. to extending kind of the current uh, work at home status as well, but I really think that they're buying some time also to see if that liability release is going to be put into the next relief package. And I honestly, it seems to me from an employer standpoint, it's an OSHA thing. Yes. You know, if you can't keep your people safe, safe, why wouldn't OSHA be involved? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're required to report illnesses under OSHA. The problem with something like COVID is how the hell do you know where you got it? I mean, you can say, well, I got Mm -hmm. it at work, but there's no way to prove or disprove that, or you got it because you went to the grocery store. Or well, OSHA, or OSHA, um, OSHA just released this week on the uh, Tuesday, Tuesday, um, a new um, uh, revised um, enforcement guidance. I mean, they're still continuing to to tweak this constantly, but they they released um, new guidance this week on how to um, determine if you need to. Um, consider it a work-related mm-hmm. infection. 
Um, and they're basically, you know, they've kind of created this outline of it and saying that you have to um, really do your, as the employer, you really have to do a, a worthwhile investigation um, to determine if it's if it's work related. Um, right. You know, well, and I, I think mean, if, so you're, you're, if your company you're has doing. If your company has strict standards of mask wearing, of social distancing, of sanitation, if you're following those guidelines of your state, yeah, I think that yeah. the liability is much less. And, 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 but if and you're OSHA not even, following the guidelines, yeah, work is. Have we not said for freaking decades that the we spend the most time at work than we do with our families? Yeah. Well, and they said Where would it so come OSHA. From? OSHA said that they would consider it likely, likely uh, work-related if there are several cases that develop among mm-hmm. coworkers and there's no other right. likely explanation. So, so that's yeah. the meatpacking plants, right? That's the why did 150 people get it at you know XYZ meat plant? Uh, well, obviously they. Probably got is probably work related. So OSHA stand up. How are five hundred and forty seven people in this building positive for this disease? Yeah. After after they publicly representatives of some of those meatpacking plants publicly said it was because of the culture of many of the employees and the way that they lived. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is it. You want to talk about some ugly HR stuff right there is get people to say things like that. Yuck. Yeah. Yuck. I don't know about all of you. I don't know about y'all, but here's one of the things that I do as kind of like a little hobby is um, whenever there's like a company (laughs) that pops up in the news with something ugly like that, um, I take myself over to LinkedIn and Google and try to find the HR leader at said company to see if I have any connections to them or something. Because I'm just and you have an amazing to ability to go down rabbit holes, Robin. So I I, this this doesn't surprise me about you at all. <laughs> oh my goodness! Yeah, I yeah. I do enough research in my day job that I don't have time to do that, Robin. <laughs> really bad, but. I can understand your fascination for sure. Uh, there, there are some bad. I, um, I'll, I'll admit it. I have been known to do that. Yeah. Well, and that doesn't surprise me about you either, Cammie. You know, you know, <laughs> want to know who I'm dealing with here? What kind of people are these people? Oh, they're right. not good. Um, I have crossed paths with them before. <laughs> or, or, or you hope not, anyway. Um, Michael, the, other, the good uh, news is, is, is you know that you've passed muster. <laughs> exactly, because right? you're on the call. Exactly, that's good. That is good news. So one of the other, uh, going to the opposite end of the scale um, in terms of extremes. One of the other things that Frank and I came back and forth about possible topics for tonight was Major League Baseball, and I guess all the other, all the other sports. Um, but I had oh, posted boy. something that yeah. said Major League Baseball has a union problem. Um, and that's basically framed up. There's a guy in the Tampa Bay Rays who won the Cy Young a couple of years ago, Blake Snell, who, who likes to play game, video games on Twitch. And he, he had a kind of a rant on Twitch the other night about how he's not playing in a shortened season unless he gets paid, he gets what he's owed, he signed a contract. And I got to get mine because yep. I'm not going out there otherwise and putting my life at risk. And I, I don't know what yep. he's owed, but I'm guessing it's somewhere in the, you know, five to ten million dollar range uh, for a 162 game season. And they're talking about playing half that if they play at all. So I don't, they're I doing a 50 50 revenue split. Did, but they well, didn't agree to the, that. Right. The owners have been trying to get the players into a revenue split agreement the players are like not only no but hell no but really behind behind that a lot of that is not only the players union but the money behind the whole deal is the agents like scott boris they want no part of revenue sharing creeping into their 
you know, a goose that lays golden eggs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, and I mean, those folks have a lot of money on the line. They do. And look, there's, there's points on both sides and, and technically Snell is right. He signed a contract. And if the, the party that he signed a contract with wants him to perform under said contract, they should be ready to honor it. It, there's just a technical point that says, yeah, he's kind of right. But then there's this whole distasteful public posturing that both sides are doing. And it's literally, I equate it to like the government in ta- trying to decide what to do with our money, our taxpayer dollars. If you think about what the owners and the players are arguing over, it's the fans' money. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of the people that probably just lost their jobs and won't even be able to afford to go to a game. There's they're not just. It's holding. also the people that just lost their jobs and still have to pay for season tickets. Because yeah. the, the fans are, aren't they that bought season refunds? tickets. Well, they're, yeah, they're getting refunds the, for some of the games. Oh, okay. See, I didn't know what the what the status was. You know, we haven't had season tickets for a couple of years now. We used to be season ticket holders here, and just got a little bit disenfranchised, both with the all-consuming six months of your life being scheduled around the baseball season. Yeah, <laughs> literally. Are they home this weekend? How many games are we going to? Have we sold tickets for this? It it became like a thing, so we walked away from that. But but I've I've been a lifelong baseball fan, and frankly, at this point, I don't care if they cancel the season. I I mean they're they're quibbling over our nickels basically, and yeah. How many tens of millions of people did we say just lost their jobs in the last 30 days? 30, yeah. And they are quibbling over those people, those fan base, that fan base is money. That's what they're quibbling over. So, look, if they can't come to a compromise like intelligent humans, screw them. You know, and frankly, I don't, I, I don't care that much if they come back next year at that point either. Then there was, you know, there's been more labor disruption in baseball than in the other sports, and it's probably because they are the only sport without a revenue sharing agreement. Basketball mm-hmm. has it, football has it, baseball has not had it, and the union has been militant about keeping it yep. out of the collective bargaining process. So, hey, if they don't want it, they might pay the piper for it. I'm curious to see what the NFL games look like, too. This Man. is going to be mm-hmm. interesting, you know. Now, they told the uh, uh, college, um, I don't know if this was across the NCAA or if this is just SEC, I don't know. You know, all we hear is SEC here, but um, <clears throat> that uh, football, uh, football and ba- and basketball. Why? Well, maybe football and I think uh, probably baseball players have been able to start resuming practice. Okay. College. Yeah, and I heard basketball I as heard well. It. UK went UK went pra- went to practice today. Okay. So. But it's not full <laughs> team workouts or practice. It's limited kind of. Go in there, get treatment, use the gym. You can't, you know, it's not full yes. functional um, practices yet. And it's also I the same know. boat where they're doing they're doing limited practicing. I don't know. I don't exactly know the details, but I saw it today that yeah. Burrio was in action. And uh, I heard I heard on the news tonight that the director at Ohio State University. Um, you know, which I guess that stadium like Michigan holds over 100,000 people, and they're saying we can have games and we can do social dis- distancing, and we could still get 30 or 40,000 people in the stands. So you know, they're they're That's looking right. at ways to bring fans in if it, if if it's possible. How they would ever sort out who got the tickets and and that mess. I guess whoever has the most money. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of weird stuff going on. Bathroom um, lines will I still guess, be long. 
And they'll have less less. Uh, they won't be able to serve hot dogs or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Sneeze shields over the hot dogs. It'll it, yeah. Um, it, it's a lot different. I I I think Frank the yeah. I think the point that interested me was, you know, are, is it worth it to these players who have you know ten, twenty, thirty million dollar seasonal contracts sitting out? And you know, Snell on the other side of it said, I'm I'm putting my life at risk going out there. Yep. And so I want to get paid, you know, and I guess, you know, uh, depends on what's the price of your life, you know, if you believe you might. Well, think about Cookie Carrasco. Cookie Carrasco has leukemia. He's a pitcher for the Indians. Right. And he's been through leukemia treatments, but he has leukemia. So he's going to rejoin the team and go play. But he's obviously immunocompromised. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, this is a player that's immunocompromised. And there yeah. was another guy who's got Crohn's disease on the yep. – uh, yep. Larry Nance Jr. on the Cavs yeah. who has Crohn's yep. disease. He's immunocompromised. So, I mean, Snell can say all day, I'm putting my life on the line. Maybe he is because those two are. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, not saying he's right or wrong. Yeah. It's a – it's it's a tough decision, right? I guess that, and that's the point, yeah. you know. And I think fans think because well, we want to see these sports, these guys, you know, they're millionaires. They should get out there. How dangerous can it be? And you know, that's not necessarily their perspective. Um, yeah. Although, you know, as sports fans, we'd all love to have football and baseball and hockey and basketball back. You know, we're watching um, reruns from the 2017 yeah win streak. For crying out loud, that's where yeah, they yeah, from reruns. <laughs> I'll I'll put it to them, both the owners and the players, in a real business 101 sense. If any business can't deliver their product, it ain't sustainable. So they better figure out how to deliver that product, because mm. otherwise, it ain't sustainable. <laughs> True. Yep. Yep. Well, guys, we are down to um, just two and a half minutes left. So, um, yes, I know. Super fast. So, um, let's everybody. What? We did. Did you have fun, Michael? I had super fun. I had super fun. I always have have to do this again sometime. It's been a while since I've been on one of these shows. I I can't remember I you, if it was like William Tincup or something was doing it still <laughs> last time I was on. It might have been Ooh. Brian Wempen. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Old, well, old we that time, man. With your back, vision. back, back in the day. <laughs> That's awesome. That's back in the day. Awesome amazing evolution of what uh, some of our community, you guys included, have done with just like creating these platforms, these dialogues. It's really, I appreciate it a lot. It's very cool. Truly. You know, this is, um, this has been episode um, number 1,462 of Dragon. Damn. Nikes. Yeah. Wow. That's yep. very cool. Isn't that cool? Yeah. So we've got a we've got a few to to, to work yet, but uh <clears throat> soon we'll be at um fifteen hundred. So we'll hit fifteen hundred by the end of the year. I think this one's gonna have the highest ratings ever. The ratings for this <laughs> one will be like NFL draft night ratings. These ratings uh, are you might be through right. the roof. You it might was be a right. perfect call. We hope so. Most of our contingent from Cleveland is on the call. So, <laughs> yes. Well, so part of the contingent from Cleveland is no longer in Cleveland, so there's that. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Melissa's so, down in Florida now. That's true. That's true. Well, all right, guys. Uh, let me uh, let's say goodbye because I need to play the uh, exit music before we get shut off. So, Ooh, thank you, Frank. Thank music. you, Tammy. Thanks, Thanks for being on. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Good Have night, fun. everybody. Bye. Bye. Bye.